You're speeding, sonny. I need you to step out of the spaceship. You went warp factor 7 and warp factor 5 area, son. I'm going to need to see your license and your registration. You got this giant spaceship insured? Oh, I can see Spock's call responses. You pulled us over because you ha we have an Asian guy driving, isn't it? <laughs> no, no. No, sir, we do not racially profile in the 24th century. We do alien profile, and I don't like Vulcan, so you, sir, are going in the back of my car. Hello, and welcome to I Thought They Smelled Bad on the Outside, a show that um, did not lose an arm wrestling contest to the mayor of Toronto today. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> Bring it, brother! I knew I'd work the pro wrestling intro somehow, and you made it so easy. Thank you. Yes. The pro wrestler intro is the new crazy jazz musician intro. Just saying. Old blues man's never going to die. You can't stop them. Crazy Next jazz episode. musician. He's not old blues, man. He's a crazy jazz musician. Next episode, crazy jazz musicians versus unrelevant wrestler, pro wrestlers. Uh, that is a fun show right there. <laughs> All right. My name is Scott. My name is Jeff. I am Dan. Mason! Well, someone had to say it. If you weren't going to, I was going to. I was saying, if he doesn't say it, I'm going up for it. Uh, it's sad that well, my, the biggest thing my family has to his name and Six generations will be stupidly charging forward to win even attack that's Yeah, well. Hey, you know, there's, there's there's that one town in Nebraska that claims to be the future birthplace of Captain Kirk, and that's all they've got. Yeah, well. You ever seen uh, Fanboys and when they go to that town in Idaho? Yes. We must go and pray to the future son of a fictional universe so and take pictures of it, because nothing here will ever happen. What? Yeah. Well, you gotta watch fanboys where you have a bunch of Star Wars fans go to that town in Idaho and then just riff on the Star Trek characters. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I've always wondered, Daniel, when you saw that name appear in Gundam Below, were you excited? And when you saw him die, were you like, oh, no. <laughs> like, no! Uh, I honestly didn't think about it too much until, like, listening to Gundam and then they keep playing, like, when they're talking about how Howard died and bringing him up, how, uh, uh, frick, what's his name? Uh, 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 Graham kept trying to get revenge for him, and they kept like playing the Halloween over oh. and over and over again. <laughs> started to hit me. Well, I realized, oh no! <laughs> what I just I think done? if they'd picked one of the other random guys with a name who died that episode, this whole thing wouldn't have happened. Scott could, could have been Joshua from Alaska that whole <laughs> season, but no one gives a fuck about Joshua from Alaska. <laughs> Nukem says I. Yes. Quick transition. Pick of the week. Scott, go first. Okay, so my pick of the week is going to Saints Row 4. Who saw that coming? I did. I did. <laughs> Just come on. Superpowers. Shooting guys. Dubstep gun. It's a gun that shoots dubstep. <laughs> I wasn't sure I wanted to buy this game. Then I saw dubstep gun. I was like, okay, you sold me. <laughs> it's a gun that fires dubstep. <laughs> well, and there's a thing. you. There's an upgrade you can buy for it. So the wubs explode. Exploding wubs on a dubstep gun. Yes. I had dreams like this. They were mostly after I was drinking a lot, but I digress. Yes. So I'm going to throw it to Jeff. Okay. I'm going very old school with my pick. Um, you were speaking about it earlier, which is kind of ironic. Star Trek Enterprise. Back when it first came out, it came on this fledgling network. I don't even remember the damn name of the thing. UPN or something like that. Yeah, yeah, they had, like, two really good sort of paranormal procedural shows, and they canceled both. The only reason UPN was relevant to me is that, like, they used to air, like, Tekken Blade and a couple other old 80s anime on their yeah. Saturday blocks. Well, I never even got UPN. When, in St. Louis, we never had a UPN station. It never existed. So, they, and the funny thing is, we'd get commercials <laughs> to watch Star Trek, 
because I maybe I guess maybe it was on Dish or something or some other service or something. But I didn't have any commercials to watch. Check, it, check out Star Trek Enterprise. And I watched uh, The Next Generation. I watched DS9. And I watched most of Voyager because Voyager ended up on that channel eventually too. But I never saw Enterprise. Not one bloody episode just because I never could. Uh, a friend of mine had it and he lent it to me. I marathoned the whole damn thing while I was redoing my floor uh, a couple of weeks or a few days ago rather. And you know what? It was pretty good. Season one was pretty darn good. Season two was pretty darn good. Season three was a train wreck. And season four was pretty good again. <laughs> and you can see exactly what happened in season three. They It happened at the same time as 9-11, and they wanted some kind of, you know, parallel to it, you know, trying to get revenge for what happened to Earth. And you're like, maybe this worked at the time, but no. <laughs> what, a political message that's way too heavy-handed? In Star Trek? I know, right. But yeah, it wasn't. Season, I can just see what happened is season one, two, and then three was a, you know, failure. And there's like, then they tried to rebound with season four, but, but then it was too late. I kind of wish there was a season five, but oh well. Then we got to reboot into the J.J. Abrams era, but we'll save that discussion for another time. Daniel, your turn. Excuse me. Sorry. Um, my pick is the Star Wars Dark Empire uh, comic trilogy. Um, really? Even comic- the last one? Even Crimson I, Empire? No, Crimson Empire is actually not even a part of it. Yeah. Um, I actually thought there were only two parts to Dark Empire, but I was apparently wrong. Um, it's they they have like a thirty dollars collectors hardbound collectors edition out now that uh it's got Dark Empire one, two, and apparently the third chapter, which I didn't know existed, uh uh End of an Empire. Uh it's got really, really beautiful artwork for the comics. I mean you just don't get comics like this anymore. Uh most of the stuff with the story and the art is done by the same guys who did those uh Tales of the Jedi, which is supposed to be like 5,000 years before Han and Leia and all that. And you can see some of the carryover. I mean, a lot of stuff is like really unique, really, excuse me, uh, really, uh, you know, kind of, I'm trying to think of the proper terms, but, uh, creative. Yeah. Well, yeah. Creative designs with stuff like the, the empire, other than the stormtroopers and some of the military officers, all the guys who are like, Darksiders have these really creative and interesting designs. Like some of them look like an anti Han Solo and an anti Luke, and it's all done in these really well done watercolors. Like you usually only get like four colors on a page, and they're usually within the same a couple steps of each other. And yeah, I'm glad I picked this up. And I don't think we have anybody else to throw it to. So yeah, that that is it. So Scott, what are we talking about today? All right, so we're going to talk about two of uh, the mech shows that premiered in the uh, 2013 uh, summer season. We are uh, going to save Valvray for next year because they confirmed the second season of that really early on. <laughs> and we're not drunk enough to figure out what is going on in that show, but I digress. Yeah, well, yeah, that that is also... That's a discussion for Space another time. nano-vampires stuff. Hey, it's got cool-looking yeah. robots. And the perverted Hatsune Miku uh, AI. But anyway, moving on. So we what are, shows are we talking about? We are actually talking about uh, Majestic Prince and um, Gargantia on the Virtuous Planet. Beginning with Majestic Prince? Beginning with Majestic Prince, because okay. it is not very... Yes. Let, let me break down. I know exactly what Majestic Prince is. I figured this out the other day. Majestic Prince is Mighty Morphin Power Rangers if the mech battles were a thousand times better. Think about it. No, it's not even Mighty Morphin. It's like Mystic Force, one of the really like low budget New Zealand seasons. Okay, fine, even that. But you know, there's no plot development. The characters are forgettable. Name one character. Name one. What's his name? Um, I. Um. Uh. Okay, uh, now name uh, a Mac. Any one of the Macs. The red one. <laughs> the blue one. With the Rose sword. Six, yeah, they're all color coded. You remember what they look like? The battles are fantastic. The first episode battle where the you know, two-thirds of the episode is a mech battle. That was freaking amazing. Those mech battles are, you know, jaw-droppingly amazing. I love every design of those uh, main five. I, I don't like the purple one. I like the purple one. I, I like the strategic one. You know, it's there. Uh, or not the purple one, the pink one. I like, like the pink one, too. It's just a big friggin', you know, engine strapped onto the back of a mech. You mean the Badonkadok Dendrobium? Pretty much, yeah. It's just, you know, put all the engines you can on this thing, fly as fast as you can, bomb the shit out of everything. I love that sniper one. The sniper might be my personal favorite. Where the head slides over on the gun. 
Yeah, that was a different thing. Usually they got some like interface that fly, slips over the camera. Nope, nope, my whole head moves to the gun. That's so cool. Well, it doesn't have one arm. It, one arm is the gun. But those are beautiful, beautiful suits. Great mech battles. A whole lot of fun. It's just any time that the mechs are not on screen, you're trying to, like, come on. This is boring. Okay, so they set up that it's, uh, you know, that it's uh, the, the, uh, that the leads are kind of these, you know, ragtag bunch of fuck-ups. And you get the feel that, oh, it's going to be like this comedy show about how these guys have humorous pratfalls and eventually get stuck on, you know, it's going to be Captain Tyler all over again. And then it's like, no, wait, because of technology, they're actually ultra competent. Oh, but they're still going to be, but they're still going to crack lame jokes whenever they aren't in the robots. Well, didn't they say that all of them got their memories wiped? So before they got their memories wiped, maybe they're all aces or something? I don't even, maybe, but it's like, I don't care. It's not very well just, you know, explained. Although if you're showing up at this show for, you know, character development and story arc, you're here for the wrong reasons. I mean, another it's not quite Voltron, but it's very similar cuz well, they, they do the group ma- they keep doing the group shot cut where it's like yeah. something will happen and they'll do the five the five-way splash Power Rangers style. Yeah. It's Voltron without them transforming into one big thing. Saving that for season two. Apparently, yes, but... And I'll form the head! Anyway. But, and uh, the villains are so cliche. I mean, so cliche. When they're there. Because for about six episodes, they're just like, hey, there are these two people, they're playing the creepy, sinister music, but they aren't really talking about anything, or doing anything. Yeah. Oh, and here's some more robot fights. And they try and pull the Gundam Age card, you know. Are these aliens? Are they humans? They're aliens, they're aliens. Nope, they're humans. These are giant living mechas. No, they're not. They're people inside them. Oh, they didn't. Oh. But, um... Please yeah, tell me was... there's at least a significant le- uh, lower amount of understanding. Not really, no. I mean, the there's only no understanding. There's just bad jokes. It's bad jokes. I mean, they. It's if the design looks familiar, it's the same art design as the guy who did Seed and Seed Destiny. Except and... worse... Yeah, yeah I mean, you get a hell of a lot of Harai face and Harai fan service. Well, it's yeah. Harai face, but it's like, because they're mugging for the camera, they get warped in weird ways that it's like, wow, you've made Harai face worse. But yeah, this is, I mean, the villains are, the thing I saw about the villains is like, like the first guy, the uh, prince character with the big long flowing hair is like, hey, I didn't know Rao was in this game or this show. <laughs> Then he starts yapping. He's like, oh, Rao's turned into a pretentious prick. <laughs> Where did you put your mask, Rao? Well, and then you get... And then there's also just the frames where, you know, it's, it's Hirai. So they're stick people. Except for the one girl on the team whose whole character is that she has boobs. So she's just this stick person with, like, coconuts strapped to the front. Coconuts? That, that's underplaying it. Okay, uh, cantaloupes. Cantaloupes <laughs> yeah. would be a better she's descriptor. Wh- I think they, she's, he, they specifically did her say, see, not everyone is built the same way. There are curvy women in this universe. But she's not curvy. She's, she's, got, the, she's, she's got a little bored. bit of in her. She's no. got a little bit in there. No, no. She's just a collection of twigs that someone, you know, slaps some cantaloupes to. Uh, but yeah, this, this show wasn't good. I enjoyed it for what it was, but let's put it this way. If someone licensed it... Someone did. Really? Oh, someone sent- already licensed it. Uh, Sentai. Well, see, they'll, they'll just put it out there with a sub. They won't bother dubbing it and doing all that. Yeah, well, they'll put it out with a sub and then fuck up the audio mix on one episode. Yes, well. Because that's their move. That's what they do, yeah. But it I have... be really worried about the license rescues they did. Uh, what, what, what are they even rescuing? <sighs> they were the ones who got... Um... King Gainer and Brainpowered, I believe. Yeah, I was more interested in King Gainer. Yeah. Well, Fun- don't worry, Funimation got all the good stuff though. They got Outlaw Star, they got Cowboy Bebop. They got a- the only one that went a little off is the Big O went to Sentai. Yeah. Oh, that, that's one of the ones I couldn't grab in my mad dash to pick up everything Bandai really didn't own. Well see, I'm not nervous about that. I got Big O, but <laughs> yeah. well uh honestly honestly just because they're just gonna have to grab the original DVDs and reprint them, it's not gonna be a big a deal as say when, you know, oh hey, we got this shiny new Blu-ray for Sinichiro Watanabe. 
Oh yeah, by the way, episode 11 only coming out of your left channel. Not like the guy's a master of music mix mixes, oh, well. though. No. Oh, I want to enjoy that. But yeah, if Majestic Prince comes out domestically, I don't care. I mean, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed well, the mech battles, but it's not something I'm going to spend money to watch again. Well, here's the thing. It, it's, I, I put this on the schedule because I thought it was going to be 12 episodes, so we'd have like two 12-episode shows, and that'd be summer. And then it went to 24, and now they've set a second season. Which is surprising me. Like, I'm like, how is this so successful? Honestly, I'm five episodes in, and I'm like, like it didn't hook me in the first four like Gargantia did. It just, there, it wasn't, I don't know, there just wasn't something there that hooks you. I think it's, this is a, you know, a walking definition of it. Works in Japan, it doesn't work here. Japan loves these types of Power Ranger shows. It loves its Voltron. It loves its, you know, quirky little kids and a stupid comedy. Pilot and mechs. This is not aimed towards us, not that any anime is for that matter. But for us, we've seen it. We've been there. We've done that. But here's the thing. I've watched some Kamen Rider. That's actually good. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. W's one of the best I've seen in the last ten years. Nope. Never watched Kamen Rider. Can't help you there. Like, I I understand Uh, that Super Sentai is pretty much the same as this, but at least with that, you don't have to put up with this terrible comedy. I don't know. You ever watch... Try and go back and watch some of the Power Rangers. Oh, I tried. Just try and watch some of the bad jokes they put on. Like I said, this is the exact same thing. This is Power Rangers if it were animated and the mech battles weren't so stupid. I mean, you could t- literally take Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, eliminate all the Megazord and all you know, the guys in costume beating up monsters, eliminate that, replace that with these CG mech battles, and you pretty much got the same show. The only thing I haven't seen, you know, the Fail 5 do is hold up a device and go, it's Morphin time. But I'm betting that's season two. Season two. Or, or do a whole bunch of work at the community center. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Well, actually, that happens. That happens in season one. The two girls, uh, there was an episode where these two girls went to a community center, a di- several different ones, and they were doing different jobs throughout the day. The uh, girl with the coconuts, as you like to call her, and the tall, skinny one, who's the strategist for the group, they go to a school, their principal for a day. They go to a firefighting place, they're firefighters for a day. They go to a uh, baker's convention, they're bakers for a day. They just did all this random crap throughout the day, you know. Trying to, you know, do good PR for the Federation or whatever the hell they're called. I'm like, oh my god, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Get her in yellow. Get her in pink. We're done. So you will now drive a saber-toothed cat. And you, my dear, will drive a giant mechanical pterodactyl. We're done, and thank you, good night. Yeah, like, I made it a little... ugly putty people. Like, I I made it a little farther than Daniel. Like, into episode 8 when they introduced Team Dobermans. Who are just as not funny. No, they're not. No. The, the whole point is that you contrast the competent people with the incompetent people, not just add more incompetent, dysfunctional people. Yeah, fix stupid with more stupid. Yeah. Then again, we did have the Jersey Shore. Yeah. Mm. And that got several seasons, too, which still scares me to this day, but I digress. But now, ma- the only, Majestic The only Prince... good thing is in the uh, Godzilla comic is when the, the stand-in, the, the new stuff IDW is doing, is that the stand-in Jersey Shore people got nuked by Godzilla's breath. I had to drop the comic book and collapse. I'd be like, Godzilla, I owe you a drink. It will have to be a very large drink, but I still owe you one. I've been, I've been wanting to do that for years. There? It's on me. Yeah. All right, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Continue. No, I, I think we're just about done with Majestic Prince. It's, let's put it this way. This is a dead, this, I don't care. He's not here. I'm going to say it. This is if Michael Bay directed a mecha show that wasn't Tankland. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Actually, no, because most of the time you can see things and what they're doing in positions relative to each other. No. Neil will never hear this, nor do I care. But, yeah, this is Michael Bay's mecha show. No plot, no character development. You want to punch a lot of the characters half the time. But when explosions and shit start happening, you're kind of entertained. Yeah, but at least we don't have the lead going, no, 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 But he is constantly drawing manga and trying to draw himself as a Super Sentai character. Even he thinks he's at a Power Rangers show. <laughs> oh, God, this show just got ridiculously meta. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Anywho, shall we get to but, the good stuff? Well, um, I get one last thing to say about Majestic Friend, Prince. I look forward to the AMVs. Wow me. <laughs> what, 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 
what, what, what, what, what? No! No! Because half of them are going to be sent to Linkin Park, and you know it. That's all Mecha AMVs, but... Yeah! That's all AMVs, period. It, there's probably, like, an equal quota uh, quotient of Mecha Linkin Park AMVs as there are Naruto Linkin Park AMVs. Yeah, that's right. Anything anime, really. Linkin Park comes up, it's like, yeah, we like anime. Everything. You know, oh, everything. God. Linkin Park card captors. <laughs> it's Stop. out there. It's Stop. out there. Stop. It's in the show notes. Stop. It's there. Stop. <laughs> Don't make him find these things. A few episodes ago, he did find that Star Wars AMV. Because I it. knew it was out there. It scares me that he was able to find that. And he probably it found it fairly easily. It didn't take me long. Like, if it's, it makes it to the notes, you know it didn't take me more than days. Uh, Lincoln Park cart. God, no, Daniel, <laughs> what have you done? Uh, and people, people wonder why I need therapy after I do these shows. Gee. Oh, hey, God. Hey, <laughs> you, you, you don't want to know. I typed it in. It was like four right oh, away. No, <laughs> no, no. My <laughs> faith in humanity. My faith in humanity is lost again. Uh it is drastically dropping. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, but that's just Gargantia yeah. now. Yes, Gargantia, the good show. Yes, the good show with barely any mech battles, but it's still good. You know what? That, that that's fine because it means they got to hold their budget for some good ones. Yeah, there was the polar opposite of the Majestic Prince. You you know you have a lot more time put to characters than you do explosions. Well, yeah, but this this one does both well. Yes, but yeah. the explosions are in Majestic Prince are about once an episode. This, you get two or three per the whole damn thing. I mean, there's there's the mech battle at the very beginning, there's one with the uh, pirates, and then there's the one at the very end, which is the granddaddy of them all, but that's about <laughs> it. The rest of the time, the mech is being used as a giant fishing trawler, or a rain catcher, or a big-ass forklift. Well, I mean, come on. It, it's got, it, re- it reminded me a little bit of uh, the early episodes of Turn A. When he's like, you know, transporting livestock and helping with laundry. Turn a washer. Yeah, he got a lot of laundry done. I saw I saw a diorama of that. It was awesome. Kneeling next oh, to the river. Is... <laughs> oh, I'm waiting for the guy to do a diorama of when it's got his hands up and like like crocheted between each finger the laundry line and there's all the towels. Uh, turn a laundry. Anyway, but yes, back to Gargantua. Can I say that there's one running theme of, throughout this whole show? Yeah. And at first, it's very subtle. Then it's not so subtle. It is, what does it mean to be a human being? Because for the when I first saw Leto, when he first showed up, I said, okay, there's a twist coming with him. I know there is. I bet you he's actually an AI. That it's an AI supporting an AI. He's not human. Because he didn't seem human to me, you know. He was straightforward, only cared about his orders, only cared about his objectives, didn't know what he was doing here, didn't know how to deal with it. He was just well, like, the first thing they mentioned is that he's got leave coming up. Like, he's earned enough points to get a couple of weeks at a space station somewhere. And yeah, he has no I idea what he's going to do with that time. Right. He's so, you know, conditioned to the military life, he doesn't know what to do if he's not in the military life. And even just... And part of me wants, like, a full episode just before that. Like, a full episode of him just daily life at the grind, as opposed to having, you know, the big fight and then getting dropped into a water world. Just to really set that feat. They do a good job of bouncing back and forth between who he was and who he was and what life is like in the fleet and how alien it is to him throughout the series. But I really think it would have hit just a bit harder if you'd had that first hand is. I, I, I see where you're going there, but they kind of hint back on that. That whole time he's working on, you know, he's, it's a tooth and we don't know what he's doing with it. Hell, he doesn't know what he was doing with it and he's just, you know, boring into it and Turns out he's making a flute, and he doesn't even know why. And it slowly comes back to him, you know, what, you know, why he's doing this. You know, he looks back at his little brother, which they never explain it, but it's fairly certain that, you know, he is just a clone of someone else because there's young clones, there's older clones. You see lots of the same guy over and over again. Like, it's either a clone or it's a pretty limited tool for a cast. Yeah. Uh, I'm betting it's a clone because they try, you know... They trash that younger clone who's, you know, a sickly version of him. And they literally just shove him out in an airlock. And, you know, he's all, you know, for it. At the beginning, he's like, hey, if you're not worthy of a fighter, you don't deserve to live. That's just yeah, the way. If you can't, com- if you can't com- uh, com- uh, 
contribute? Contribute, yes, sorry. You can't contribute. You got nothing. You're going out the airlock. I mean, when he sees Amy's little brother, his name escapes me, he's like, why are you alive? <laughs> he's like, damn, harsh, man. And the kid takes it in the stride. He's like, hey, I'm just trying to live my life. It's well, like, and at, at that point, he's still, like, communicating entirely through a transitor bot. Chamber. So, the, chamber. Actual mecha, the actual mecha who becomes a character himself. Another, well, it, it, another... It's cool to see two, the two of them grow. But it's like he he's just like it's the rope it's the Stephen Hawking voice asking you and the kid does the, just deals with it, which I thought was good. It's like he's basically you know saying you don't deserve to live. It's like damn kid harsh. It's like maybe he'll be useful. You don't know. <laughs> yeah, my world you're not there. Like, well, in my world you were there, and then they shoved you out an airlock. They're not. You, you got to fight the uh, evil alien squid people space or snail grade. people. Space squids. <laughs> Weren't they in shells? I thought they were space snails at first. The space ones have shells, kind of like those Nautilus uh, squids or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but yes, yeah, so the whole thing is, what does it mean to be human? Is he human just by the fact that, you know, his DNA says so? When he first shows up, I argue he's not human. He's something else now. The people on Gargantua, they're human. And he very slowly regains his humanity. I was 100% convinced he was some kind of AI or some sort of machine, really. Until the belly dancing episode. And then you see Amy come out and she's doing her dance and he reacts just like any young man would. He's like, it's like, okay, maybe he is human. <laughs> Eyes get wide, jaw goes to the floor. And as well, people are trying to talk to him so he gets distracted. Yeah, and, you know, someone could be telling him, uh, Lito, your hair's on fire. He doesn't give a shit. He's very focused on Amy at the moment. And let's face it, when we were that young, we were that stupid too. Hell, some of us still are, but I digress. But, you know, I was like, okay, he's human. There, There is humanity underneath all that, you know, rough exterior, and it slowly starts coming out. And that is the very subtle theme of the show, is what does it mean to be human? And then we get to the um, whale squid's nest, and the subtlety part goes out the friggin' window. Oh, yeah. he, he snaps back to how he was before he even got to Gargantia, even to the point he stops talking in their language. Well, you I... Know, uh, well, he Chamber snaps has back. to translate for... Chamber well, has to translate again for him. But he snaps back, but I think there's a reason he snaps back. When he finds out, okay, the aliens are here on Earth, too. Like, he, well, I think it. you almost see him, like, it, it's not just... Because when you see him fighting the space squid in the first episode, he's very cool and detached about it. Yeah, and when he finds out there's space squids on Earth, he's like, gotta kill them all right now. Mainly, and in the back of his head... Because at this point, it's not just his job. It's like, this is kind of my home. These space squid are going to eat us all, because that's what space squid do. Right. Like, he, they, he's fighting for something. Right. I mean, when he when Amy comes up and tells him not to go, he's kind of like, look, you don't understand. I have to go. He goes, well, it's you're not in the military anymore. You don't have to do this. And he, he says, I'm not doing this for the military. He says, they're going to kill you all. Maybe not right now, but they're going to do it. <laughs> he said, I have to stop them. And he's basically well, saying, I'm going to go out there and protect you. Whether you know it or not, I'm going to go do it. Because he already, you know, cares a good deal for Amy and the and the people on that ship or that fleet, rather. And when he finds out their space crew, he's like, "Oh shit!" Because <laughs> he he can fight pirates all day and in and out. I mean, you saw what he did to the pirates who kidnapped the uh, older wrecker or the salvager, rather. Just flew flew over them, slaughtered them all in one second. Just like fine, Nothing. like a fine mist and out of like, all okay, of them. Okay, I just killed all the bad guys. Can I get some food now? And they give him some food. I gotta eat corpses? Well, that's what we eat here, buddy. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, uh. Well, even before that, like, he, he comes, he's like, Mission Successful comes back and everybody's sitting there horrified at what he just did. And he's right. like, what? It's like, what's your problem? You wanted the pirate situation taken care of. Guess what I just did? And then they tell him, he's like, no, you don't understand. We can't kill them. If we kill them, they're gonna come back for revenge. He's like, oh, okay, I can do that. Well, <laughs> and, that and shouldn't be too much revenge, of a problem. It's like, okay, I can just pick up this giant lobster thing. I won't kill anybody. I'll just, you know, Zanshi of them way off into the distance. Turn it into a Disneyland ride where you spin them to the G-Force, <laughs> make them pass okay. them out. It's like, okay, they're gone, and they're not dead. They're probably really pissed off and busy as fuck, but they're alive. <laughs> probably when uh, or Ruckage or whatever shows up again, she probably just stopped, just then stopped, like, you know, tilting over because her balance was knocked off. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I can fight. I, that's why she started fighting as soon as they showed up. It's like, okay, I'm I'm no longer dizzy. <laughs> we can get the hell out of here. 
But no, once they find the space squids, he's like, okay, or the whale squids, he finds that, you know, he's still easily more powerful than these things, and he can slaughter them like cattle, which he very much does. And he gets into this space squid nest, and he finds magical computer that tells him everything. Which is that uh, space squids are uh, transients. Yeah, they um, forced evolution. Now, here's where I say, and here's another thing, what does it mean to be human? These folks are no longer human. They have changed themselves into something else. Uh, they're, they're, they said, we are evolving. No, you're not. Evolving is nature taking its course. This is you taking your course. You're deciding then, what you should be now. Yeah, and I got into a bit of like Gundam Seeds, like extreme racism. Because like, hey, we're so changed that we're not even human anymore. Therefore, you know, the people who hate us don't deserve to exist. And then vice versa with the the, the Galactic Alliance or whatever. Yeah, you know, but I, I can... Per- but I buy that conflict, even though it only happens in ten minutes of flashback. Right. Not even flashback, news footage. Well, you mentioned Gundam Seed. This is the coordinators taken to the furthest extreme, saying, no, 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 we're, we're not improving the human body in that. You know, we're making you know, us immune d- diseases stronger, faster, more intelligent. We are changing everything. <laughs> we can now live in the vacuum of the space at the bottom of the sea. Our face is yep. now stuck to a back of a squid. I mean, that was the creepiest damn thing I ever saw when, you know, the little girl and her mom say goodbye to daddy. Well, where's he going? Well, he's not really going anywhere, but his face is now on the ass end of a squid. It's like, wow, something has gone horribly, horribly awry here. Is Earthen really that bad of a shape that you had to turn into a squid? Well, at the time, it looked pretty bad. (laughs) I'm just saying, Gargantua turned out pretty good. I mean... You, you said Waterworld. Which world would you rather, rather live in? Uh, the Waterworld of Kevin Costner or this Waterworld where you can actually, you know, when you're not in your off hours, you can have barbecue and sit back and relax. Yeah. Bar- Pin- like opinions there using, opinions there using the mech as a big-ass hot plate. And then the mech's going, why are you doing this? Tell I don't see why. the point of this. Why am I laying on the ground? Why am I doing this? Shut up and stay still. Why am I doing this? You don't care. You're not going to eat. Why am well, I covered like, in... Change- Chamber was awesome. Chamber, like, when uh, Leto, like, first gets out of Chamber on Gargantia, and, like, the first thing he does is grab Amy and start running throughout the ship, and Chamber is like, what the hell are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) I don't think this is the best way to open up dialogue. Yeah, even Chamber has enough things figured out, like, um, what? No, don't take the, don't run that, I am the mecha, I've got the guns, don't run away from me, you dumbass. But no, after he discovers the whale squid's, you know, true identity, quote-unquote, now he's all conflicted about it. <laughs> he's like, I've been killing humans all this time. He's like, I don't think you really have, but yeah, that's still creepy, because when you see him, you know, walking well, it, through the... It's not, even, it's not even just like, oh, I've been killing. It's like, no, I've been crawling out of the ocean covered in guts. Right. You've like, been walking... This is a scene from Berserk. Right. Or when he's walking through the uh, field of you know, infant baby the squids or infant whale squids. Or whatever. Yeah. And they kind of look human-esque. They look a little fetus yeah. Yeah, and he's smashing them and it's so nasty and disgusting. That's just, yeah, that's nasty. And you can kind of see, okay, that's going to yeah, give you some nightmares because now you know what those were originally. But still, it's I can see why that's messing with his head. And then we get to... Um, Oh, then the best scene is when he finally, you know, it's all rushing through his head that one almost humanoid-looking squid shows up, and Chamber just grabs her and goes, taking care of the problem, squish. But then he's all, you know, really fucked up about it, because then he goes back to the surface and starts barfing his guts out. Yeah, um... Yeah, someone else take up. I'm just... Okay, so <laughs> but before we much. get to, before we discuss the sort of three-part climax thing, I do want to mention... Uh, you know, uh, I do want to mention a couple other characters. We got Pinion, who is Kamina. Yes, he is. <laughs> it is just it, it is his voice actor, but he's still pretty much just Kamina. That's why it sounded so familiar. Same basic character, yeah. Same basic character, maybe just a little more sensible, a little. Um, I don't know when he's on when he's in the in the uh, alien city or the old ruins, and he's pulling up shit, and he gets on the on the mic or the radio. The entire world is like, "I am Pinion of the Mist." I have the biggest friggin' guns in the universe. Nobody Come at can me, fuck bro. With me. Yeah. It's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait. I don't care how many big guns you got. You don't put a bullhorn out there and say, "Come and get me." Well, yeah, yeah, but he also clues in when, like, when things start to 
when things start to go south, he sort of click it clicks faster for him, Kamina. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that. He once he realizes he is fucked up, he realizes it pretty damn quickly. Like, oh, oh yeah, he, he flat out. I really like, screwed this up. Yeah, he tells his crew, he's like, hey, I'm the one who screwed up. I don't want you guys getting caught in my mess. Get the hell out of here." Yeah, he does. I will now man seven guns at once. <laughs> Get out of my castle, you assholes! This is my this is my brother in my castle. And then I love the. I love he's, you know, at the very top of the castle, you know, the uh, pirate orders him out. And he says, on the count of five, jump. And he goes, you want me to do what? I said, on five, jump. One, two, three. And he's like, oh, fuck it. The little squirrel thing jumps on him. And here we go. And he gets out of there in one piece. But yeah, Pinion and that uh, other, what is it, admiral or captain or whatever he was who took his fleet out. Dumbasses. Well, it seemed like a good plan. They've got the guy with the biggest guns. They're going to go basically into completely unexploited territory. Because if they're really just living off salvage off the bottom of an ocean, why not? Yeah, yeah and this is the one place where there's the most advanced salvage they know like, of. They know the best shit is here because no one touches it. That's but another thing. When when uh, when the uh, Admiral starts getting some of this good stuff, he's like, okay, we're going to use this to restore the world. And Pinion's like, fuck that! We're going to be, be the kings of the universe with this shit. Me and my drill. No. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's like, we're going to rule the universe with this drill. I mean, this gun. And that other gun. And, and this laser. And this fucking rail gun. <laughs> I got lots of cool stuff here. Yeah, I love that part where he's like going over this stuff with Chamber and he's like, hey, what's this thing? That is a rail gun. Oh, that's cool. Uh, we can just fire this thing, right? No, it takes 50 times as much power as your entire fleet generates just to fire one shell. Oh, fuck. Ah. Like, cool. Neat. Let's find a generator. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's like, wow, that means this thing makes a big friggin' bang. <laughs> we got to try this thing out. Where's the iceberg I can shoot? <laughs> and I'd like to point out, um, Bellows doesn't do much except remind Pinion that he's an idiot for the first half of the show. Yeah. But she just seems cool. I'm glad she's getting her own manga. She's I'd Yoko. Re- I'd like to read it. <laughs> she, I like she's Yoko the, with uh, a business. Yeah. I forget her name, but who is the uh, the ultimately the admiral of the fleet? Oh God, the, the girl who becomes the, the admiral at the end. Yeah, I forget I, her name too. You get a little bit of her backstory, but I was really hoping to see more of her, just because she seemed like you know really cool, calm, collected character. And then when she gets you know the mantle of leadership, she crumbles a little. I mean, the, the former admiral or whatever I keep forgetting what they call him on that show, fleet, but, ma- fleet master or something like that, something yeah. like that. He's been preparing her and pretty much told her, okay, look, when I die, you're going to take over. I'm going to get you as ready as I possibly can. And then, you know, when the time comes, he hands over the key and says, it's you now. And she crumbles a little. She panics. Yeah, and she, she eventually... tries to bury her. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Yeah, she buries herself in, like, her secretary duties and stuff all over again just to, like, try to cope. Yeah, well, the, the fleet master or admiral or whatever he is was kind of like a father figure to her. And I can kind of see, okay, I'm going to drown myself in work and try not to think about it. But, yeah, it was... I really liked her character arc and how she fully realized the role at the end. Plus the fact that we find out exactly what Gargantua is. You know, and say, what the hell was that key to? You don't need a key to drive this damn fleet. Why is it a gold key? Well, I loved it, the fact that you didn't know what the hell the key... There was no hints about that key until it showed up. Yeah. Like, here's a key, and... You know, just for no reason, this ship has this giant freaking what? What would you even like? It's not even it's a, a mass driver. It's a it's a mass driver. Well, it's, it's a mass like, driver, but for the whole series, you just see, hey, we've got this really tall thing sticking out of the middle of the ship. We grow vegetables on it most of the time. Well, it tells you that this you know, Gargantua was originally a warship. You know, it, um, back in the day, this was the advanced. This was the advanced. Sorry, go ahead, Dan. I lost that. Mass drivers. They're 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 kind of built on the same concept of a railgun, but they can move cargo as well. They just figure out a way to arm it. They fill. Well, the I think I think they just yeah they just took the cargo pods and filled it full. kaboom. Yeah. Well, it's a big freaking warship, and then at the end of the war, everyone left for space, so they left a whole lot of shit behind. You don't really need a you know a seafaring vessel in space, so they just kind of people who stuck around said, okay, we'll use this. And we'll start a fleet around it because it's a big friggin' ship. <laughs> That's what they did. They got a whole bunch of, you know, link ships together and it's one big friggin' fleet. And what, what they call it? The stairway to heaven or something like that? 
Well, I think they reference it like Gargantia used to be part of like one of the orbital elevators or something like that. And yeah, stuff. Yeah, so it originally was either part of a delivery system or perhaps even an elevator system itself that was weaponized. And I love the fact, you know, you know, they, they said, okay, the uh, old man, the doctor says, okay, I think we need to open the stairway to heaven. And everyone's like, you're going to do what now? And even the, the captain's like, what? <laughs> so the gold key, you didn't wonder what that was too? He goes, and then she realized, oh, crap. <laughs> We're going to use that. Yeah, go. <laughs> so, is, is it really that bad? And he goes, yeah, it kind of is. <laughs> and the reason to use said weapon in the first place is crazy cult people. Yep. And so, yeah, this is the big multi-part climax where um, Pinion, having declared himself king of the ocean because he's got all the coolest toys, is confronted by a fleet headed up by another survivor of uh, an- another space marine, or so it seems. And he's reorganized uh, the fleets he's bumped into into a cargo cult parody of uh, the of the military he left. And, you know, he, he, he gets, and at first everyone kind of goes along because it seems like, hey, everything's better. Things are much more stable. And I've, there, there's a lot of cool stuff. I'm going to get things done. And uh, it's like, oh, wait, no, let, let's just drop all the old people to the ocean. Like that, That's the scene where it breaks for everyone, dro- dropping the old people into the sea. Yeah, well, you knew something was very wrong with this fleet. You knew it was like, okay, these people are a little crazy. And then they got the old people, and even saw a younger kid who I guess was frail or weak or something. Probably had the same condition as Amy's brother or something. And he looks, and he looks a lot like Amy's brother. He looks a little bit like you know that little little clone of Leto. And you know, Leto sees him, goes in. And he's like, "Oh my god, <laughs> what if, what has happened?" And can I say I 100% call when they said, "Okay, the older Leto, the Colonel, who kind of reminds me of the uh, guy from Zone of the Enders." second runner, but I digress. Dingo. But um, as soon as he said, oh, he can't, he can't leave the cockpit because of some disease, I'm like, oh, he's dead. <laughs> There's nobody in there. Well, and, th- and that's the thing. And that's where it all comes for- full circle, because here we see what is essentially the same society that Leto left being run by a machine. Like, it doesn't need a person to make it happen. Yeah. And like I said, human- yeah. it was Leto human when he showed up. Not really, because... And he wasn't making any decisions. He didn't know where his decisions were coming from. He was doing whatever the hell Chamber tell, told him to do. And this is just a much bigger extension of that. Well, I mean, it wasn't even like Chamber was telling him what to do. Chamber was making suggestions, and they were like the best suggestions at the time. And every single time he made a suggestion, that uh, Leto followed it. Except when he grabbed Amy and ran away. Because even then, Chamber was like, what the hell are you doing? But yeah, uh, I, was... love that. I love that scene where he's like, what did she just say? Uh, something about a sacred expletive and the lineage of your mother. Hmm. These are friendly people. No. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, the the whole crazy cultist thing, they take, you know, Pinion down to their vaults where they got all this crap they don't understand. Said, hey, Pinion, if you, as long as you figure this shit out, we won't kill you or your friends. But if you don't, we will. <laughs> Into the ocean with you. Nope. You're not useful. If you aren't useful to us, you're food. And when it starts raining, all the people come out and look to the sky and start, uh, like, no, no, this is not right. We need to get the hell out of here. And, and then as an offering for the rain, they dump some people in the ocean. So, yeah, we're back in the Aztec days, folks. Human sacrifice. Woo. Yeah, we that's, get the fight. <laughs> yeah. When you get the fight, um, Pinion has the balls to go up to him when he you know, kind of sees the look on his face. And he says, Okay. Lido's kind of sick of this place too. Let's go. And, and uh, they do. Yeah. And, and we get and we get the first fight on even footing for the whole series. Right. And first it is and fun only. to watch. Oh, it's a doozy. And when they when uh, Chamber finally p- pins down what is it, Striker, yeah, opens the cockpit and say, "Oh, he's in there. He's alive." And then nope. Go, nope. Pop <laughs> you pop that seal. Pop that seal, and he's been dead for a while because he. Very quickly he dries up, and his, and his head falls off like a bad apple. It's like, oh, damn, that's not right. And then uh, Stryker goes on this big rant, like, humanity's service is now to worship me as a god. Like, really? Well, something went wrong with your programming, dear lady. Tomes, Tomes. It's like, 
At least you didn't say good morning, Lido. Good morning, Lido. <laughs> I'm afraid. Well, she was just a single you... green light. So yeah, and she did say, "I'm afraid I can't let you do that." So I can't let you do that. I'm going to have to kill you. You you will either do what I say and worship me, or I'm going to kill you all because you're no longer useful to me. The very thinking of a machine. You're if you're not useful to me right now at this instant, you're trash. Now, back to that theme of what is a human being. Yeah. And, you know, you get the fight, and it keeps going, and eventually it's like, okay, Leto, you have something to do that isn't die to save the world from a crazy robot god thing. I'm ejecting you, and I'm going to finish this fight. (laughs) And that is the moment that Chamber becomes a human being. Yes. Chamber is no longer an AI. That's what it is. What does it mean to be human? Well, he self-sacrifices. He does something that makes no sense logically. I'm going to kill myself to save these people who do not help me. <laughs> but I'm going to do it anyway. And he comes well, and, he, and he tries to rationale. I don't know. I don't know if that was either a joke on his part. That's the only way he could get it through his head to make it work. It's like, okay, Leto is no longer psychologically fit to pilot. I'm going to kick him out. I'm going to do this my he way. Was, he was doing that to get Leto out of the cockpit because he knew Leto had something to live for. Because yes, he'd but, reached that. They reached that limit with that like exam system or whatever the hell it was. Because uh, he had like 120 seconds left that if, if Leto said yes, it would essentially kill him. Yeah. Yeah, but the logical thing to do was let him do, kill himself and go get him. The logical thing to do is, okay, we're going to turn off the the uh, you know super system or whatever the hell it was. It's going to kill you and we're going to fight him together. Maybe we win, maybe we won't. But he didn't do the logical thing. He said, I'm going to kick up my pilot. I'm going to go up there. I'm going to blow the bitch up. And he does it with a one-liner, which was... I jump out of the seat moment for me. I'm sitting here watching on my computer. He goes, you know, question, are you really willing to die to save these people? Response, go to hell, tin can. I was like, fuck, yeah! Uh, jump out of like, my chair, hop it up and down. You need to shut down and reset yourself. Response to orders, go to hell, tin can. Which is, didn't, uh, not Leto, but didn't Pinion tell him to do that a couple, a Pin- few episodes Pinion ago? Kept- well, Pinion always calls him Tin Can. And didn't he t- say those words? He said, go to hell, Tin Can. <laughs> yeah, there's a couple moments like that. So he just, you know, copy what Pinion said. Say, all right, if I'm going out, I'm going out on a one-liner. <laughs> and you see Lido, he's happy. He's living on Gargantua. He's used the flute to somehow ward off the whale fish. And he's able to get the best stuff. He's living a happy life with Amy. All is good. And far be it for me, I actually enjoyed a happy ending in an am- anime for a change. <laughs> you know what, it... it- this one felt earned. Yeah. At least we did end on understanding. Mm-hmm. No understanding. No, nobody understood shit. But who Just cares? tin cans going to hell. Yeah. Well, I, I like the little thing at the end. You see what's left the chamber at the bottom of the ocean. It's being used as a new nest. It's like, well, it's a little bit of a heart, ham-fisted circle of life bit. But hey, I like it. <laughs> it's one of the better ones out there. Yeah. And there is an OVA, a couple OVAs coming out. I'm not sure what they're doing. It might be just sort of side story stuff. I well, think. I'd like one of the, I'd like, forgetting, here's my perfect fanboy dreams. We get three OVAs. One is that one you were asking for. The, we find out who that kid was. We find out what his day-to-day life was in the military before all this shit happened. Two, we have a you know, side story focusing on the lesser known characters of Gargantua. You know, we don't even see Leto. You know, we follow around Amy's, you know, flying girl friends. We follow around, you know, some of those fishermen guys we saw. We, you know, just get to know some of these background characters that look kind of interesting we didn't get to see much of. I don't know why I kind of like that girl that uh, Pinion took with her, took with him, you know, the little teenage you know, mechanic girl. I wanted to know more about her. She seemed like a cool character. Didn't oh, yeah, sh- there were a lot of background characters that were, like, not just generic anime backgrounds. There were a lot of standouts. Yeah. And the third OVA wish list would be, okay, 10 years in the future. How's Leto doing? Is he grown up? Does he have, you know, is he married to Amy? Does he have some kids? What's the situation with the you know, whale squids? What's up? <laughs> uh, we're probably not going to get exactly that, but I can hope. Well, I mean, my one hope is one of the OVAs is kind of like a uh, like what they used to do back in the 80s with, like, alternate takes of the series, like, alternate, you know, ways that, like, events happen, like, what if Leto was still part of the Alliance and the Alliance found Earth again? Or yeah. stuff like that, you know? Now, what if story? That would be interesting. Scott, any ideas for the OVA? No, I'd be happy with just more. Um, I'm also curious about the spin-off manga about Bellows. I'd like a bit of that. But it's like, you know, 
If if they gave me more, I'll be happy with it. And it, and one thing I found interesting is any one of us mentioned we wanted more mech battles. No, no, no. Because we got like, like it had one the... really awesome one. We had one really good one. The rest of the time, the mech was being used as a hot plate slash forklift slash you know fish rain catcher, and we didn't care. This was a fun, good mech show that barely had any mecha. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I totally forgot about the part where Chamber pateed, you know, an entire net full of fish. Yeah, it's like, I, I caught your fish. He goes, we're not eating, what are we going to do with this? But they're still good. Uh, scoop it up and fry it and make a fish fillet from McDonald's? <laughs> so you put this in a blender, put it on pate, and you got yourself a nice shake. Just, just you know, ball it up, <laughs> fry it, it'll work. It's like, we can't store this, man. Well, you're going to have one hell of a barbecue then, aren't you? <laughs> Don't ask the don't ask the robotic. <laughs> <He's>, he, <laughs> oh God! When you when you dial it down, you know when when you're dialing the lasers down to 0.1 percent of output, it's still a big mart. It's still a little too much like, for steak. It's like yeah, okay. I've got. It took a lot of work to get this steak. We don't got a lot of cows on this ship, so we don't get it that often. So be careful. <laughs> what son of a Chamber, bitch? <laughs> Chambers like what? I cooked it for you. I'm actually cooking, not vaporizing. We can't eat this. Yes, you can. We can't eat this and survive. Yes, you can. We can't eat this and enjoy ourselves. Well, maybe. <laughs> but yeah, overall, really, I, I was very happy with the show. Uh, I mentioned it earlier. If if Majestic Prince got you know, localized, would I buy it? Probably not. If this got localized, hell yeah. Has oh, this, yeah, one, this, has this one been licensed? I, I don't no, think it so. hasn't. It has not. I, it's a little disappointing. I don't, if I don't it doesn't wanna... get licensed in the next year, I will be definitely... Busy. Oh, wait, no. Viz has it. Oh, oh really? Uh, we Viz? might have just getting a dub then. Uh, I'm sure yeah. we'll get a dub, but... Viz, really? That, I would have thought that had Funimation written all over it, but... Okay. Oh, Viz is... Viz, Viz sees the end of the tunnel for Bleach and Naruto coming up. Well, I guess. They need something to in their money. Well, I'm a little surprised then. Like I said, if... Uh... Oh. I would have picking up a lot of sleepers lately, like, uh, or not sleepers, but like, you know, hits, but not like, you know, big, booming, bombastic hits like, like Bleach or Naruto. Like, like they've, uh, they've got Lagoon. Tiger and Bunny. Can we get Johnny Young Bosch as Leto? I'm just saying. Oh, well, if it gets a dub, it's going to be Johnny or. Actually, no, my money is on Troy Baker. I wouldn't mind that. He's a pretty good Joker. Yeah. I got to play the demo of Arkham Horror. Yeah, she told me last night. I, I. The trailer for that looks so badass. Firefly. Yeah. Scream for me. You're like, ooh. I always thought Firefly was a bit of a lame villain, but that's pretty badass. Yeah, they take in the Arkham stuff, they definitely take whatever was done before and crank it up to eleven. Like uh well, this it is was a kinda whole... weird it was kinda weird for me, like playing Arkham Asylum and, you know, hearing all of the classic cast from, you know, the animated series in the nineties, but then there's all the references this the stuff that the characters have done in the comics, which is, like, ridiculously worse. <laughs> uh, I'm very interested to see what they do with Arkham Origins, just because, like I said, they're rehashing the whole cast. Nobody's back. Which is, I guess, kind of good. I don't mind that for a prequel. The only problem is whenever they do the third Arkham game, or the third part of the origin? story, you're going to have a new Batman origin? and a new Batman, and uh, we can't do a new Batman. we got to figure out a way to... Arkham Origins was, was going to be their third game. Well, it is the third game, but I'm saying it, it takes place, it's a prequel. It takes place, you know, years and years before even the original Arkham game, when Batman's just starting out as a, a uh, superhero, vigilante. So Nobody. did they replace Kevin Conroy? Yeah. Yep. New, new, new Batman, new Alfred, new everything. Hmm. So what, did they get, like, the voice cast from Beware the Batman into it or something? Or? No, it, it's new people. New people. Although, um... The, the new Batman guy does sound a lot like Edward Bader's Batman. I don't I heard him start doing his Batman voice in the trailer. It sounds like a younger, a little bit more of a younger Kevin Conroy, which I'm okay with. Uh, what if, what if, uh, it takes place, you know, right after he starts being Batman. He's only been Batman for a, maybe a year or so. And Black Mask is kind of sick of him screwing with his shit. So he just offers a $50 million bounty to kill the bat. So every assassin worth his salt wants it. <laughs> well, at least yeah, the new Batman, Batman is uh, Roger Ro Roger Craig Smith. I'm trying to remember if I've heard anything from him. Chris Redfield. Not a big fan of Resident Evil games. Ezio Aditore. Oh crap! 
So I think that is a yes, you played that. Oh yeah. He said now that I you say that, yeah, he does kinda like sound a little bit Ezio ish, just scrap the entire Italian <laughs> There's no Italian in Bruce Wayne. Why are you smashing your palm into my face? Oh that's right, I don't have the hidden blade anymore. <laughs> but this is still effective. <laughs> so you just don't die this time. You just get hurt a lot. Batman doesn't kill people, except in the killing joke, but that's another story for another time. Well, honestly, I was I got uh, playing the demo. The remote backlaw. When you have a machine retract a gas canister into a guy at high speeds, and then the gas canister explodes, I have a hard time believing that thug isn't dead. Dead. <laughs> well, some of the heights that, like, even if you're hooking their feet, some of the heights that these guys will drop from and then smash their face into a building. Hey. Bones are breaking, and it's probably some of them are in the spine. Hey, I said they would live. I didn't say they'd ever walk again. <laughs> Batman does not you kill them. Over. He does I cripple them. <laughs> I, you know, Batman will perfectly, happily put you in a wheelchair for the rest of your life, but he won't kill you. That's why I love how it should have ended. Come on, hit me, bud. You hit him? Yep, but I didn't kill him. <laughs> uh, okay, we got off track there. But it yeah. Hey, at least we're not talking about Ben Affleck, Batman. Don't don't go there. <laughs> I yeah. liked Argo just fine. I, I liked Argo. My thing is, is Ben Affleck's one of those actors who I don't see the character, I just see the actor. Him, he... Tom Cruise, a couple other out there, it's kind of, I don't know. I haven't well, seen Argo yet, so I have to see how he is in that. I do like the uh, I do like the rumor of the lead from Breaking Bad being Lex Luthor. There ain't Cranston. Yeah, I'll buy him as Lex. Uh, I still like him better. As... Eh. Oh, yeah, that's... He does kind of look at Jim Gordon, but... No, he Batman Year One. Oh, yeah, he was Jim Gordon. <laughs> but, yeah, I can see that. But, anyway, back to what I was saying. Uh, Gargantua. Would I pay money for that? Yeah. Yeah. Even like... if Viz has it, which kind of surprises me. But... Well, Viz, Viz, it's gonna... Well, with Viz, it's basically just gonna be, like, two discs for, what, 50? I'll pay that. That sounds fine 50 for a Blu-ray, probably, like, 35, 40 for a DVD, so... Well, I'm 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 thinking Canada and their anime distribute is bad, so I tend to get stuck paying internet. Ouch! But no, I'll pay for Gurgenshu to watch that again. That was a fun series. It but if fun. they throw in the OVAs, it's a different definite sell. Oh yeah, they gotta throw in the OVAs. I mean, we don't get the OVAs over here. Well, didn't Viz get High School of the Dead, and they couldn't get the OVA for that, or is that Funimation? Ah, uh, good question. I think that might have been Funimation, but. Uh, Funimation usually gets its OVAs. When they got uh, when they got Hanagai recently, they got the OVAs for that, even though the OVAs sucked, but <laughs> they got them. When they got Spice and Wolf, they got those ridiculous OVAs where Holos tr- taught you how to stretch. <laughs> God. Well, they they went all out with Spice and Wolf. Like you were seeing the novels translated in bookstores right next to the manga. Oh, I love you Spice know. and Wolf. I got every novel so far. They were trying to make that like the next Haruhi or whatever. Well, they were trying to. Well, they they had those American covers where they had a actress you know, dress up like a wolf. I think they're trying to get that to be a Twilight thing. Um, well, actually, if I remember correctly, the book covers in Japan are like that because uh, the Turn A novels actually had an actr- actress dressed up as Kiel or Diana. Really? Hmm. Uh, yeah. That's not weird. Well, you still get the anime covers. You just take off the dust jacket. <laughs> yeah. But on the last couple novels, they just got rid of the dust jacket and they realized nobody cares. Well... Dust jacket adds like a, how many extra, like probably two extra dollars per unit. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. No, oh, well. So, in summaration, uh, Gargantua, if you haven't seen it, go see it. Majestic Prince, try and get someone to, to see if you can find someone who has cut out all the story bits and it's nothing but the gun, the uh, mecha battles. Just fast forward, fast yeah. forward button. Find someone who has laid out, okay, here's when the mech battle begins. You can go right to that. Watch the good stuff. Well, you can just jump in 15 seconds at a time. You'll be fine. Yep. That whole episode with the two... That's one of those annoying episodes where those two girls are going around from municipality to municipality doing a 15-minute job for a photo op. I don't think there's a mech battle in that episode. I was like, that was the dumbest episode. I didn't even get my mech battle. I stuck around for all this crap. Oh, well. Oh, well. The Gargantua. Go see it. Yeah. It's, it's good stuff. Well, we'll catch you next time for something else. Something else. Something else? Something else. We don't have anything planned for next episode, do we? Uh, I thought they smelled bad on the outside.
I thought they smelled bad on the outside is released under an international attribution non-commercial share like Creative Commons license version 3.0. Please visit sbopodcast.blogspot.com for more episodes and contact information. Thank you.